Good morning, everyone. God bless you. Praise God. Luke chapter 18, verse 1 tells us, this is not my message, um, but Jesus said that men and women ought to always pray, to keep on praying and not to lose heart, not to be become discouraged. Um, I think that we are facing a time in our personal lives, our walk with God, where the circumstances seem to be unrelenting. You know, it's nice to have a reprieve, it's nice to have a break, but it just seems like one thing after another. And it's very, it's very wearisome, if we're gonna be honest. I think it's important to be honest, amen? As God's people, to, to just acknowledge that maybe we do get uh, discouraged, we get weary, we get depressed. You know, our emotions get just, just frazzled and we just want to give in, we want to give up. And the Bible tells us to pray and not give up. Jesus said that. Knowing our, our, our weakness, knowing what we would face, knowing what we would deal with, we're encouraged to pray and not to lose heart. So I want to, you know what I want to do? I want us to pray one more time. Jesus said, my house will be called the house of prayer. And if we look to God, if we could, uh, if I could encourage you to look, pray, to reach out to God, because that's where we draw strength from. That's where we draw encouragement and receive grace through, through prayer. And we really have to stir ourselves because we can get, as Pastor Mike said, just a little uh, 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 wearisome even through just the holidays and eating and, and, and all of that. So if you have a special need or if you this morning feel uh, just a, an extra need of prayer, we want to pray for you. Amen. So I'm going to ask you to stand one more time. And we need to be praying for one another. You know, I was praying last night. And as I'm praying, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for the church. And I just sense the Lord just, you know, say that's good what you're doing. Just the, the Heavenly Father just kind of um, giving me a pat on the back and saying that's good. But I also felt him say, you know what would be good also is to get the, to remind the church, to encourage the church to pray for you. And I said, thank you, Lord. Because of the strategic nature of the shepherd. Jesus said, if you strike the shepherd, the sheep will be scattered. If I'm weak, my messages will be weak. And thus your faith will be weak. And so I encourage you, Paul would say over and over in the scriptures, pray for me that I may speak as I ought to speak. Pray for me that I might be delivered from unreasonable men, for not all men have faith. And many, many times Paul would make it a habit uh, and just to intercede and pray for revival, that God would revive the church, that there would be such an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, such an impact that our lives would be revolutionized in a greater way. And I believe God wants to, to revive us. We need revival. Amen? So if you have a special need, would you just lift your hand? If you feel a little weary, maybe just work, maybe just family, life, Amen. Amen. There's so much weariness. Let me pray over you. Keep your hands lifted. Father, thank you for your people. Thank you for the body of Christ. Thank you for the people 
of God. You love the church. Your word says that you love the church and you gave yourself for it. God, more than anything, your love and your affection is on your people, God. And I just pray today for encouragement. I pray for supernatural strength. God, I pray for a release of the anointing to break off oppression, to break off lies, to break off strongholds. God, I pray you'd reach into the homes this morning. Set people free, especially from fear, God. Let us be delivered from all oppression and fear. Let your people be strong in this hour. Lord, we believe it, God, because your word is, is replete, God, is, is so evident throughout scriptures, God, that you showed up powerfully in the most difficult circumstances, in the most desperate need. Lord, you were there, God, and you will be there for your people today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. If you would open up in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 13, I want to kind of go back and expound on part of that verse uh, that we did look at last week, but we didn't, we, we, we focused on one part of it. How many of you know the Word of God is so rich, so deep, and so wide? Uh, that we cannot exhaust the meaning of it because it's God's word and will take a lifetime of, of learning and studying and it never grows old, it never grows uh, dull or, um, you know, people say, oh, the Bible's boring. Bible's not boring, they're boring. <laughs> oh, the Bible's dull. No, the Bible's not dull, they are. Um, but the Bible is alive, it's living, it's active. And I want to preach a message to the this morning from that same passage, but a different message. Contentment or covetousness? Contentment or covetousness? Hebrews 13, let your conduct be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Therefore, we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. What can man do to me? Which, whom shall I fear? What can man do to me? Amen? Amen? Contentment or covetousness. What a strategic word in our day and our age. It's, it's always uh, relevant, but especially now and with the holidays coming one historian has characterized our society as one marked by inextinguishable discontent. Enough is never enough. We have this insatiable drive for the bigger, the better, the more, the greater. We want a better job with better pay and a better boss. We tend to live our lives for the next big thing, the next vacation, or just the next weekend, or the next experience. We are never satisfied as human beings. We are never content apart from the grace of God. But God tells us in his word, 
In Hebrews 13, verse 5, let your conduct, let your lifestyle be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. Wow. How counterintuitive that is to our culture and to our world and to the whole world system that we live in. But Jesus said, you're in the world, but you're not of it. So we as the people of God have to listen to the commands of Scripture and reprioritize or reorder our lives so that they can be in compliance and be in, in, in order and obedience to what God has said. So in this passage of Scripture, God is saying, deal with covetousness. Deal with it. And live in contentment. What is covetousness? I think we know. It is a lust. It is, it is an insatiable desire for more. It's an excessive desire, especially for wealth, possessions, or status. Social media so often encourages us to compare ourselves to other people, thus producing covetousness and insecurity in our lives. We're okay until we read and see someone else's post. We think our children are pretty cool until we see other people's children. We think our home's pretty nice until we see somebody else boasting about how great their crib is. We think our car is pretty nice or our life is pretty good until we get on social media. You see, this covetousness, it's desire that springs from a sinful, a sinful human nature that is never satisfied. Proverbs tells us the eyes of man are never satisfied. That goes for women too. Paul the Apostle, one of the greatest examples of a Christ follower, one we can look at and, and we can look to and, and he would tell his people or the, or the followers of Christ in the churches, he would say, follow me as I follow Christ. And he is a great example. And he would write in Philippians chapter 4, a passage many of us are very familiar with. He said, I have learned to be content. So that tells us it's something that we have to learn, we have to grow in, we have to develop in. It doesn't come natural. It's not automatic in our life to be content. So what is contentment? To be enough? To be satisfied? It's being satisfied and pleased with what you have. Now for a Christian worldview, a biblical worldview on this, what is contentment? It is the ability of the Christian, dependent upon the Holy Spirit, to be independent of outward circumstances. Let me say that again. From a Christian biblical worldview of which we ought to have as God's people. Amen? Not according to what 
social media or TV or, or people who are not of the faith. But what we're saying is contentment is the ability of the Christian dependent upon the Holy Spirit to be independent of outward circumstances. Joy, peace, contentment are independent of our outward circumstances. Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul wrote Philippians, as many of you know, uh, several of his epistles, his letters under the inspiration of God's Spirit, he wrote from a prison cell. And yet, he said, I'm learning to be content. Or actually, he said, I've learned to be satisfied. Now listen, you know, many times we, our joy is dependent upon who likes our Facebook post, who's following us on Instagram, how much money we have, what, what kind of job we have, when all our, our ducks are lined up. I don't know what that saying means, but it sounds good. When everything's in order, then I'll have joy. No, the Bible does not know any kind of, of concept. Matter of fact, what did, what did the writer of Hebrews say in, in chapter 11? He says, you joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you had a greater possession in heaven. What's that? That's God's people saying, you know what? Things don't matter because I understand my eternal possessions. I understand heaven is waiting for me. Isn't that the Bible? Isn't that truth? But isn't that foreign to even Christianity today? in many parts of this country. So Paul said, I've learned to be content. So it was an inward condition. You know, we could never, ever be satisfied with stuff and things. We can never be satisfied. Why? Why not? Or rather, why, why, why can't we be? Because you and I were made in the image of Almighty God. We were created by God and for God and for his pleasure. So we are created as spiritual beings. We live in a physical body, but we're spiritual beings and we have yearnings and desires that things in this earth cannot fulfill because God created us with a longing for eternity. How do I know that? Because Ecclesiastes 3.11 tells us. The wisest man said this, says he has created us with eternity in our hearts. Why do we crave and desire and want more and more and more? It's because we're created for something greater than this earth. We're created for something more than the temporal, than planet earth, than the, the horizontal. We are created for an eternal destiny. So we try we try so hard to be fulfilled, but we were created for God in his presence and for eternity. The temporal, the material, the carnal cannot satisfy. Can you say a weak amen? amen. Isaiah 55. Ho, everyone who thirsts. Now that's back 700 years before Christ. Let's, let's put it in the vernacular of today. Yo. Everyone who thirsts, who says ho, unless you're 2,700 years ago. Yo, 
Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. This is God speaking. This is making an appeal to humanity. Come to the waters. You who have no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Listen to this. Why do you spend money for what is not bread? And your wages for what does not satisfy. What is God saying there? Learn contentment through a relationship with me as opposed to this desire that you spend and expend money, time, and energy for things that really cannot satisfy. Paul learned commitment. He learned commitment wasn't based upon stuff. He said, I've learned whether I have a little to be content or whether I have a lot, I'm still content. I learned whether I have a full Belly or an empty belly? He said, whether I'm hungry or whether I'm well fed, I've learned to be content, satisfied. And now, when we say contentment, we're not talking about a lack of desire to improve and progress in life. That's not the issue. That's, that's another sermon. What, what the message is here is being satisfied in relationship to your relationship with God. Joy, contentment is a heart attitude. You know, on, on missions trips, many of you that have traveled overseas, you know the thing I hear the most when people come back? You know what they tell me? Oh, it was amazing. You know, uh, the people had so little, but they were so happy. Oh, really? I remember our first missions trip that I ever went on was, no, it was my, my second one was with Pasquale, 1987. We went to El Salvador. How many were not even born in 1987? <laughs> we helped to build a, a school right attached to a church in a village. And part of when we had breaks, we would play with the children. And you know what I brought just happened, just as something to bring to, as a game? Just a tennis ball. And do you know what kind of crowd we drew with a tennis ball to play baseball in streets that were not paved, that were not flat, where we where, where had all kinds of rocks and, and gullies and all of that and sometimes even other stuff flowing through it? But you know what the joy that they had with a stick, a broomstick or a stick in a, in a tennis ball, because that's a big upgrade from what they were using. But the joy and the excitement and, and, and the, and the and, and peace that they had playing with a ball. Paul learned that it's through Christ's strength that he can be content. I remember one of my first, our first vacations my wife and I had <coughs> when we were first pastoring we didn't have any money to go on a vacation. So there was a church on the Cape that had a house attached to the church that they would allow pastors and missionaries and people in the ministry to use. Now this house, we, we were grateful, but the house was old. It was a little musty. It wasn't in any way updated. But you know what, my wife and I, we were blessed. 
We were blessed. We had such joy. It, it, was, it was nothing any of you would want to necessarily go to, but that's all we could afford because it was free. We were blessed. And then our last trip or a trip that we went with the church to Israel, uh, we were overbooked in a hotel, so we got a free upgrade. We ended up staying at King David Hotel, the premier hotel in Israel that presidents, movie stars, prime ministers stay at, and the rooms run from six, seven hundred to well over a thousand dollars a night. The most beautiful hotel we ever stayed in. It was all free. It was just an upgrade through the tour company. But you know what? We were blessed. But my joy level didn't necessarily rise anymore. You know the joy meter? It didn't necessarily rise. Why? Because although it was nice, we had joy in that little old house that we were grateful for. How many of you make more money now than you did five years ago? Just raise your hand. We're going to pray for the rest of you, but most of you. Come on, don't lie. You make less than... How many of you have more stuff now than you do five years ago? My hand's up. But how many of you have necessarily more joy because of that stuff and that money? Not necessarily. For the most part, I would venture to say not so. I remember when I first became a Christian, one of my first cars was a 1974 Plymouth Duster. It had a rust color. You couldn't tell the rust color from the rust. So that was a good thing. But no offense if you have one of those cars. But you know what? I remember driving down the road. I was not, boy, I didn't care what people thought of me. I had the joy of the Lord. It didn't matter what I was driving. You know, the, the, the funny thing, the foolish thing is we buy things with money we don't have. We buy things we don't need to impress people we don't like. Think about how foolish that is, driving down the road, trying to impress people. Why do you care if they don't like you? Why are you? Well, look what I'm driving. They're not even looking at you. But I remember even in our storefront, a little church, a little office. The office was so small, I had to step out to change my, to put my coat on. But I had joy. I remember, I remember there was a Mr. Donut on the corner. To Lisa and I to go get a coffee. Just a coffee. Now, now today, you get a frappuccino with, with almond milk and with drizzle of this and a little extra shot of that. And you go to pay the bill, $8.75. Are you kidding me? But that's the status today. You're going to walk around with that. But a cup of coffee, that was a big thrill. That was a big break in the day to go to walk across the street from the storefront. What joy with the simplicity of those things. Learning to be content. Not based upon how much or how little, but based upon our relationship with God through Christ. You see, a lack of commit, uh, contentment causes me to look horizontally. How can I fulfill the need for 
peace or joy or happiness. But see, contentment, covetousness causes me to look on that level. Contentment causes me to look vertically. Look to God to fulfill my needs. You see, when I pray and when I seek the Lord, I get built up and, 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 and he satisfies me so that when I go out into the world throughout the day, I'm not so needy. Come on, some of you are too, too needy. Some of you need to get your needs met by Jesus. Your security, your value is not based upon your job. It's not based upon how much you make. It's not based upon how many people follow you on Instagram or how many people like your post. All of that, it's not based upon that. Your value is based upon what God says about you. Who God says you are. What God promised you. Not based upon status. That happens even in the church. You know, how big is your church? How big is your budget? How big is your youth group? All those things based, and, and we get significance upon all those things. Well, I've got so many people, or I've got this. That doesn't matter. God, God's not impressed. And you know what? You'll always have somebody that has bigger and better. There's a church in Seoul, Korea, Dr. Cho. I think he's either passed away, he's surely retired. He had a church of close to one million people. His sanctuary could seat 30-something thousand people. If you've been to Fenway Park, that's what they can seat, about 30-something thousand people. And they would, have, they would have seven services on Sunday. And the church would all get a coupon, they could, uh, a little stub. They could only come to church once a month because do the math, how can you fit a million people? So anytime a pastor thinks he's hot stuff, God gave us Dr. Cho to keep us all humble. <laughs> it's sad that we had a pastor in New York City just recently who, big ministry, beautiful wife and children, not as beautiful as my wife, but I just got to clarify when I say things like that. <laughs> Big ministry, connected with influential movie stars and basketball players and sports figures. Big following on Instagram. Big follow, had it all going on, but yet wasn't content. Ends up committing adultery and imploding and exploding his marriage. We pray that God restores his relationship with, with his God. But why? Because of discontent. None of us... And the ministry probably could even touch that, what he had. But there wasn't a contentment. There was a lust. There was a desire. That is in each and every one. Let's not judge anybody. Realize it's in all of us because of our human nature. You see, contentment invites me to look to God and to know that he's enough. And that's what Hebrew tells us. Hebrew says that, that let not your conduct be with, covet, with, uh, be with covetousness, but be content with such things as you have. For he himself said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. How do we deal with covetousness? We realize we can be content because God will never leave us nor forsake us. You see, we'll never know that God is all we need until we get to a point he's all that we have. A missionary went to, to Tobago 
And on the final day, he was leading worship in a leper colony. And he asked if anyone had a favorite song. When he did, a woman turned around and he saw a woman with a disfigured face. She had no ears, no nose, her lips were gone. But she raised a fingerless hand and asked, could we sing, count your many blessings? The missionary started the song, but couldn't finish. Someone later commented, I suppose you will never be able to sing that song again. He answered, no, I'll sing it again, just never the same way. Count your many blessings. Can we still be grateful during COVID? Thanksgiving during a pandemic was nothing like we've ever seen before. Those of us have larger families, we would have 10, 15 people, and years gone by, 20 people around a table. This year we would have four or five. Much smaller than usual. We don't know what Christmas will look like, but can we still be content? Can we still be grateful? Yes, we can because it comes from our relationship with God, based upon God. You see, if you live for people's likes, you will die when they don't like you. If you live for people's acceptance, you will die from their rejection. The pandemic has caused things to be shut down, sports, movies, concerts, malls, schools, graduations, weddings, receptions, parties. You say, how can I be content? I'm not saying it's easy, but Paul said, I've learned to be content. From a prison cell, he would say that. And you know what he said? You know how, it, how he was able to be content? Philippians 4.13, that same chapter, in context. It's a verse we take out of context. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We use that verse, uh, you know, to, to, to open up a jaw that, that, that we can't open. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens Don't be stupid. Just, you know, get one of those things on TV that you put on and it snaps it off. But, you know. Oh, we didn't study for the exam, but I can do all things through Christ through strength. No, don't, don't be stupid. Study. No, you know what Paul was saying? I've learned how to be content. I can be content through Christ who strengthens me. I don't have much. I'm in prison. I, I, I don't have it going good. But you know what? I'm content. I'm satisfied. How can that be? Through Christ who strengthens me. So this morning, I don't know what you're going through, and, and, and your world could be upside down, but God can still be enough. Your world can be in upheaval. Your world could be chaotic, but God can still be enough. You see, yes, we miss a lot. We've lost a lot, but look what we still have. A man went to his pastor for counseling, and he was in the midst of a financial collapse, he told his pastor, I've lost everything. The pastor said, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. You've lost your faith? No, the man corrected him. I haven't lost my faith. Well, then I'm sad to hear that you lost your character. I didn't say that. I still have my character. I'm sorry to hear you've lost your salvation. That's not what I said. I haven't lost my salvation. So the pastor said, you have your faith? 
your character, your salvation, seems to me that you've lost none of the things that really matter. Look what we still have left. We still have God. We still have the fellowship of other believers. A great body of believers, people of faith, people of God, people of experience, people of, uh, of, of a love and a passion for Jesus Christ. Beautiful worship, prayer, godly people. We still have each other. We still have family. We still have some true friends. So let's put it into perspective. One last thing I want to share with you, talking about perspective. It's good that we have perspective in life. I know things are really difficult, but let's just for a moment, as I bring this to a close, a small amount of perspective. Imagine you were born in 1900. Many would think that was a pretty simple time. On your 14th birthday, World War I starts, and it ends on your 18th birthday, and 22 million people perish in that war. Later in the year, Spanish flu epidemic hits the planet and runs until your 20th birthday. 50 million people die. 50 million. On your 29th birthday, the Great Depression begins. Unemployment hits 25%. The world's GDP drops 27%, and that runs until you're 38. The country nearly collapses with the world economy. If you were lucky, you had a job that paid a dollar a day, $300 a year. When you turn 39, World War II starts. You aren't, you're not even over the hill yet, but don't try to catch your breath. If you lived in Europe, most of the continental Europe, bombing of your neighborhood, invasion of your country by foreign soldiers along with their tank and artillery was a daily event. Between your 39th and 45th birthday, 75 million people perish in that war. At 50 years old, the Korean War starts. Five million people perish. At 55, the Vietnam War begins and doesn't end for 20 years. Four million people perish. On your 62nd birthday, there is the Cuban Missile crisis, a tipping point in the Cold War. Life on the planet as we know it could have ended, but thankfully it was prevented. So in 2020 we have COVID-19. It's sad thousands have died. And it's something to be taken seriously. But think about in perspective. I know it's difficult quarantining but we most, have, most of us have a full refrigerator and Netflix. <laughs> and we have social media and we have our phones and our tablets. And so even though things are different, but let's put it in perspective. For the most part, we might be what we think is a prison, but it's a palatial prison. And so this morning, I challenge you to learn contentment, to deal with covetousness. If we don't, covetousness will destroy us. Covetousness, that insatiable desire for more and more, will cause us not to appreciate the blessings we have today. Your joy is not dependent upon your circumstance, it's dependent upon your relationship 
with God. You could have as much joy as you want to today. And the truth is you, you have as much as you want to. Let's all stand together. This morning, let's remember the cross. What Christ did for us. What he provided on Calvary. Let us release the past. Forgetting what is behind. You can't be content if you're holding on to past failures, past mistakes, past hurts. Release the past. Drop the words or forget the words I should have, I could have, I would have, if only, if I hadn't. Live one day at a time, realizing that my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Let's pray together this morning. Let's let God be our source each and every day. When you wake up in the morning, let him be your first thought. When you wake up in the morning, your mind could be troubled, you could be worried, you could be stressed, you could be anxious, but look to God. Let him be your helper. You may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is my strength. So let's pray together. Father, thank you for your people today. Thank you for your word. God, I pray, Lord, that you, through your word, would inspire people to learn contentment, to deal uh, with, with, with covetousness, God, with a, with, a, with a passion, with an authority, that we would not allow the desires for more and more and more to rob us of the joy of what we have. For God, I have learned that if the devil can't rob our blessing, he'll rob the joy of the blessing. And we can be so blessed, oh God, and yet not have joy. God, forgive us for being ungrateful. Forgive us for the discontent. Forgive us for the covetousness. Lord, I pray that you would transform the young and the old through the power and the authority of your word. God, we thank you today, God, that your word is powerful and it does change us. It does renew us. God, let the power of your word go beyond the barriers of these four walls, touching the hearts and the minds of people through this live stream that are listening now and will listen later today or at some other time. God, may every life be impacted, we pray. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, and everyone shouted, Amen and amen, and you receive the word, and we believe it'll change us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. You're at liberty to go.